Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Let me pray. I'm going to take just a few minutes to share a word that's on my heart about what it means to live the journey well, as God wants to unpack the future that we're walking into. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You want to speak to us today. I thank You for everything that You're leading us into. And Lord God, I ask that we would be people that would choose to take hold of it. Help us to lay down our will and embrace Your will. Help us to be a people who even see beyond our situations and circumstances and say, Lord, would You take us up? Would You lead us forward? Would You give us the direction and the guidance and the authority to move forward in every area of life? May we live the journey well, each and every one of us, in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I had the honour of discovering that there were certain muscles in my legs that had atrophied over time. There were muscles that I knew were there many, many years ago, but over the last couple of decades, they seemed to have gone into hibernation and had forgotten to work. And I had the honour of discovering that these muscles were still there through joining a group of crazy people, some of them present in the room right now, as we decided to run upstairs. Now, it doesn't sound like much. I don't know about you, but we've got stairs here. It's not much to get up and down these, but some joker <laughs> or developer has designed 118 of these things in an outdoor area called Jacob's Ladder at Golden Bay. I know it's 118 because at the bottom stair, when you get there and you look at this beautiful thing that they've built and they've got up there in Golden Bay where if you go all the way up the top and just walk leisurely, you get to this beautiful panoramic view of the area and it's amazing, but it's designed for pain. Because when you get to the bottom, you see written there 118 and a little arrow that's pointing up and that arrow is disgusting. Because just as you start getting up the landings, it counts down every stair you've got left to go. And on the other side, it counts down every stair that you've passed over. And I don't know about you, but every stair that I went up, I felt like I was losing part of my soul in the process. Because <laughs> I joined a group of people that had decided we're going to run up this thing 10 times. <laughs> I want to say very clearly in front of you, as God is my witness, of those 118 stairs, I ran up them five times. There's other people in the room that did 10, but I did five. I did five and I had to stop at five because at the fifth time up, reality started to bend. And I started to see things that weren't there. My heart, I'm not joking, my heart started to beat to the extent that I thought it was going to dissipate from my body. <laughs> my legs refused to move. And I decided in that moment to embrace gravity and gently lay myself down all collapse <laughs> to the ground and attempt to breathe for 15 minutes <laughs> while I stopped myself from passing into the multiverse that Marvel described in Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. And I survived. I survived. I came down. And for the next 
five days. I was unable to walk as a human being. Because these things kicked into such a high pain threshold that I wanted to remove my Achilles from my heel. The cool thing is we went again on Friday and didn't push myself as far. Walked it seven times, ran it three times, didn't collapse, didn't go into the multiverse. And I feel so much better for it. It was interesting, it got me thinking, that stairway, why would you call that Jacob's Ladder? And if you've been around church for any extent of time, you'll know that that is a significant account from the very first book in the Bible called Genesis. I wanted to talk with you today about Jacob's Ladder and it's significant for me that if you go and visit Jacob's Ladder at Golden Bay, that as you're at the bottom of it, you know it's going to hurt you to get to the top. And it's interesting that for every single one of us in life, in our day-to-day life, in our week-to-week life, our month-to-month life, in everything that we do, we all have the option of running from pain and choosing to stand at the bottom of what's yet to come if it's 118 steps or if it's a decision to confront an issue that is difficult or if it's the decision to embrace an uncertain future with the certainty that God is leading you into it and He will give you everything that you need along the way. That that as we stand at the prefaces of stepping into what God's leading us into, every single one of us have the opportunity to embrace the moment to grow and the pain that that brings or to turn tail and say, I hear the coffee at Brew's house in Golden Bay is really good. Let's not do this today, let's go there. Because we're all either running from our pain or choosing to step into the growth needed for our future. And there's a man named Jacob in the book of Genesis who lived this out. We're going to look at a portion of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. And I want to read this and I want to unpack the difference that this story makes as we all choose to live the journey for ourselves. And Jacob is a significant person that is unpacked in the book of Genesis. It's interesting, Genesis is called the book of beginnings because it begins the narrative story of how God wants to work in and through a people and call them out to be who they were created to be. And he begins working in the midst of a family, in the hope or in the desire, I should say, that it would create a nation through this family. He calls a man named Abraham. His name was Abram at the time, had his name changed to Abraham along the way because God changed him from living under what was and he was called out to create what was to be as God led him from his father's old lands into the promises that God had for him. And Abraham lived this out by receiving a child of promise, even at old age, and even being willing to lay aside the promise and embrace in obedience the things of God. And in that had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had two sons and God was working through this family to create a bigger story of how he wanted to reach an entire world. And Isaac's two sons were named Esau and Jacob. He had twins, born moments apart. And Esau was the firstborn. And in that culture, that is significant. Because if you were the firstborn, you got everything. 
You got to walk into the shops and say, I want an Xbox Series X, thank you very much. And the second born got left with an old Nintendo 64 and had to lump it. See, the second borns were blessed but weren't blessed as much. And in Isaac's family grew these two sons, Esau, who didn't seem to respect the heritage and the history of what God was doing in his family, was focused always on outside, 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 and was taking himself away from the things that God wanted to do in and through him. But there was Jacob who grew up and desperately, 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 desperately wanted the birthright, wanted to inherit what God had said to his grandfather Abraham, wanted to inherit what God had said to his own father Isaac, and he was willing to do whatever he could to inherit it. See, his name means the one who grabs the heel because when he was born, it was said that he was born with with Esau first and with Jacob grabbing his heel. And he was the one who grabs, the one who reaches out, the one who extends, the one who tries to do everything he can to get what he thinks he needs. Some people called him the deceiver because he hatched a plan where his brother Esau comes in from hunting one day and is famished and believes that because he's hungry, he's going to die. He's not going to die, he's just hungry. But he sees what Jacob has made and he says to Jacob, oh, I need that. I desperately need what you're making. It's a beautiful stew. It must have been amazing. And Jacob said, I'll give it to you for your birthright. And I don't know if Esau knew what was really going down. I wonder if he thought it was a joke. What, my birthright for a bowl of stew? Sure, you can't take that anyway. And Esau takes a bowl of stew from his brother. And from that moment, Jacob hatched a plan to inherit the blessing that was meant for his older brother. The account goes on that when his father Isaac was ready to pass, when he was dying, he went into his father dressed up like his brother, enacting a bit of a low voice, I guess, and tricked his father into giving the blessing that was meant for his older brother for him. See, Jacob was just living out that idea that he had to reach out and grab and make it happen himself, that that if he didn't make it happen, nothing was going to happen, that, that he was desperate in himself to get what he felt like he needed to survive and he was willing to do whatever it took. But whatever it took damaged the relationship in his family. And he ended up having to get sent by his father to leave the homeland and go out and make his own way. And we pick up the account in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob has taken the blessing from his father but is now having to leave everything behind to go start afresh somewhere else. Could you imagine how that would feel? You've done everything in your power to get what you think you need. And yet it's still not enough. You've been sent away. Jacob's just trying and grabbing, 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 still grabbing at that hill, still trying to climb up that hill, still trying to get up those stairs. We pick up the account in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. It says this, Jacob left Bathsheba, and went to Haran. He reached a certain place. There's always 
a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the the stones from the place, put it there at his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed. This is what he dreamed. A stairway or some translations say a ladder. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching to the sky and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the west the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. So he was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and he named the place Bethel. Though previously the city was called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if He provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I've set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give you a tenth of all that you give me. It's interesting. We're just going to unpack this scripture very shortly. We see here, this is where the account of Jacob's ladder comes from. He dreams a dream where he sees beyond the here and now and he sees what God's doing. Sees what God is wanting to do in his own life. Sees a stairway there where he's at with the angels. And in most translations it says ascending and descending. It's interesting that they're already there. They're not coming down to help. They're already there. Angels are messengers sent by God to help those who are inheriting salvation. They're already there. They're ascending and then descending. They're they're getting their assignments. They're getting their, and they're flowing around Jacob's life. And all of a sudden his eyes are open. This man who has been striving of his own accord to get what he thought belongs to him. The man who has been reaching of his own strength is all of a sudden opened up to the reality that God is calling him to journey and be changed by him. It's interesting, this happens at a place called Luz. I've never been to Luz. I can't imagine living in a place called Luz. Could you imagine that saying, I come from Luz? Luz means the place of desperation, the place of separation, the place of desolation. Luz is the place of separation. It's literally what it means to be separate, 
And it's interesting that for the first time in his life, Jacob is alone. Doesn't have his brother around him to compete against. Doesn't have somebody else that he's trying to look to. Doesn't have the influence of any other family members. He is alone. And in that place, he meets with God and he changes it from a place of separation. I don't know about you, but it's easy to feel like we're living life separate from the things of God at times. With all the situations and circumstances that come our way, that if we get ourselves too focused on what's around us, we end up living our life like Jacob, just trying to reach out and grab what we can, what we can, when we can, how we can, without realising that there is a God who wants to meet us where we're at and take us from separation and transform that place of meeting into what he called Bethel, the house of God. Why did he call it the house of God? Because it was there that God came to dwell with him. That there was a place of separation, now there's a place of habitation. A place where God was welcome to dwell and journey with Jacob. When you unpack the Scripture, you see how God was laying the seeds and the, getting the stairs ready for Jacob's ultimate transformation. Because as he's leaving his homeland, he has to go out and start afresh on his own. He has to create his own family out of nothing. He has to create his own resources out of the work that he's called to do. He, he had to step out. But in that, God was wanting to change him from what he was into who he was called to be. You see here in Genesis chapter 28, verse 13, as you break it down, how God was wanting to do that in and through him, which I believe is how God wants to do it in and through us today. Almost like there is a Jacob's ladder moment for every single one of us, no matter where we're at. It says in Genesis chapter 28, verse 13, just to unpack these thoughts quickly. It says, the Lord was standing there. Beside him, here's the first thought I want to say. In your isolation, you are not alone. In your overwhelm, when you feel like you are most disconnected, I want to encourage you, that is the opportunity for a meeting place with the living God with yourself. That you are not separated. That that place that you think is love, that is causing you to lose sight of who you are and who you're called to be and the things that God has in you, that place can actually be hijacked and become the house of God, a place of meeting and dwelling and journeying and going deeper than you've ever been. That instead of running from the pain, why not run to the opportunity to grow? When I see this as an opportunity that even though it might hurt, it exposes the things that might limit us from experience what God has made available. The opportunity is there. God is standing with you, no matter where you're at. Because He will not leave you and He will not forsake you. Often the difference is, are we willing to make ourselves aware of the truth? That God by His Spirit is with us. The Lord was standing there, right there, right there beside Him, saying, He's not silent, sharing, inviting. He says this, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. See what God has done before He wants to do again, but He wants to do it through us. One of the great things that I'm mindful of, in the nation of Cambodia, 
They hit a huge crisis around 1975 where a small group of students who had studied in France travelled back and incited a rebellion that started in the northern part of that country. The trained and equipped child soldiers to storm the city of Phnom Penh, driving people out so that they could live in consecration, consecra- uh, detention camps. I can't even say it. We're up to a third of the entire nation was wiped out in a four-year period. All because there was an ideal that they wanted to create that everybody is worth the same. But ultimately what they made was everybody was worthless. I think in that, into that environment, the amazing thing is that previous to then, a revival had broken out in the city of Phnom Penh. Where there's historical evidence of churches springing up left, right and centre, of open air meetings leading people to Jesus. And it's interesting to see that a nation that had experienced revival before this most heartbreaking season, God is preparing even today to enter into what He sowed the seeds for originally because He is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He's wanting to do in us today even more than what He's done in others before. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the, the west, the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. But listen to this in verse 15. This is how God was changing Jacob. He says, look, I am with you. See, he's not alone. He's challenging Jacob to see the truth that no matter where he goes from here on, he is not alone. He no longer needs to wait, be the one who is grasping of his own accord. He can allow God to lead him. You are not alone. He says, look, I'm with you and we'll watch over you wherever you go. That word watch in the original language, we could translate it keep, but in its original language, it means to guard, to hedge around. It means to observe. It means to give heed to. It means that God is the watchman watching out for your life. That he's saying to Jacob, not only are you not alone, but I will keep you. I will be the hedge around you. I will be your protection. I will guard you myself. You don't have to swing blindly at the wind anymore. I will bring you back to this land. So there's a promise You think you're gone. You think you've been kicked out. You think you've been rejected. You think you've been abandoned. You think you've been forgotten. Here's the promise. I'll bring you back. But it's a promise that Jacob would have to prevail in. That promise took decades to fulfil. But I tell you the truth, if he had forgotten that promise and given up at any point, he would not have ended up back in the land that God had promised him. So sometimes we have to prevail on the promises of God. Not because God doesn't want to give them, but often because He's doing a work in us to change us so that we can embrace the promises for ourselves. Or that we're resisting an enemy who is unseen around us. And just simply by choosing not to give up, we enter into the victory that He has prepared. love to invite the worship team to come join me as we seal the deal here. So in verse 15, he says, look, I'm with you. 
Because he's saying to Jacob, he's not alone. He says to you today, you are not alone. He says, I will watch over you wherever you go. He will keep you. He will guard you, protect you. He'll give heed to you. I'll bring you back to this land. There's a promise to prevail in, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised in you. God does not leave change to chance, but in Him, He leads us through it to change us along the way. And here's the amazing account of Jacob. Is that he went off and he created something from nothing, created a family. He was cheated and deceived himself, cheated of the wife that he loved and had to work first seven years to get her and was cheated and robbed and had to work another seven years. And it's interesting that the one who was deceived ended up getting deceived himself. But in that, God changes him along the way. And finally, after creating a future that did not exist, he ends up going or getting called back home. And he comes back along that way to go back to the homeland, to prevail in the promise that God had promised him years and years ago. The place that was called Luz, that meant separation, but he renamed Bethel, which is now the house of God. And he's coming back. And as he's coming back, he's scared. See, he'd spent all his life running from the pain Remember Jacob's ladder, you've got to stand there at the bottom of the ladder looking up, knowing that it's going to hurt to get to the top, but you have to embrace it anyway to allow it to change who you are. So he's there at the edge of crossing over, going back into the land that was promised to his grandfather and his father and he desperately wanted for himself because he valued the blessing of God above everything else. He just went about it in his own strength. That night, decades after that original dream, he meets God again. But this time it's not a dream. Scripture says that he meets God face to face and he wrestles with God all through the night. The man who's been running, 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 grabbing, 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 can't move from this moment because God locks in with him. And in that locking in, he wrestles, he wrestles, he wrestles. Can't overcome, can't overcome, can't overcome, but it's the work that God's doing in him to change him so that he can prevail in the promises and enter into what God is leading him into. See, if he wasn't willing to go through the pain, then he wouldn't be able to embrace the growth that's on the other side. And in the pain of that wrestling, It turns out for him and his story, he has his hip rent and from that moment on, he has to walk his life with a limp as a physical sign that he can't get by on his own strength. He is dependent on leaning on his faith in every area of his life. That he lives with a constant reminder that the reaching, the grabbing, the own accord, the striving didn't bring him what he needed. What he needed was to surrender to the will of God. And it's in that moment that God changes him forever because He gives him a new name. I don't know about you, but one of the most significant promises that is unpacked in the book of Revelation is that Jesus says when we all stand before Him, He'll give us a new name. And He gives Jacob a new name, the one that was called the one who grabs the heel. Renames him Israel. 
And Israel gives birth to a nation. It wasn't Abraham who gave birth to a nation. It wasn't Isaac. It was Jacob, the one called Israel. And his name means one who reigns in life with God, a prince. What if we're all like Jacob? What if we all need to run to the ladder, run to the pain and the growth and the opportunity so that God can change us along the way? What if you were called to rule and reign in life in every aspect instead of feeling like you've got to claw and grab your way through? What if there was a Jacob's Ladder available for you? Let me seal the deal with this sword. Comes out of a portion of Scripture written generations and generations and generations after Jacob. In a book of the Bible called John, chapter 1. John's book is all about the life of Jesus. God with us and walking amongst us. And it talks about the account of two people who are about to begin their journey of following Jesus. And in their journey of following Jesus, Jesus was going to change them along the way. Much like God had changed Jacob. How is He going to change them? He's going to change them by being with them. They're not alone. He's going to change them by keeping guard of them, by protecting them, by guiding them. He was going to change them by renewing them. He was going to change them by teaching them the promises that they have available in God. He was going to change them by never leaving them or forsaking them because He was going to embrace that Himself. It says this in, one, in, in John chapter 1, verse 45. Listen to this. Philip, who was about to begin the journey of following Jesus, found Nathanael who was also about to begin the journey of following Jesus. It's interesting that Philip could not contain it. He had to share it. He had to invite others into what he'd been invited into. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. I don't know if you've ever had that said to you whether your hometown has been such a derogative word that people would say, how dare you come from there? My hometown was like that. Jacob, I wonder if Jacob told people that he came via Luz, the place of separation, but he renamed it the house of God. It doesn't matter where you've come from, it matters where you're going. Nathaniel asked him, come and see Philip Answered, verse 47. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite, 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 Israelite. Ha! One who reigns in life like Jacob, who had his name changed to Israel. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Gosh, let that be said about me. Verse 48, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, which is a word for a teacher, a respected teacher. 
Rabbi Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Ha, you ain't seen nothing yet. You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You will see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That sounds familiar. Sounds like I've heard that before. I wonder if Jesus knew that he was telling Nathaniel, I'm Jacob's ladder. I am Jacob's ladder. I am the one who connects earth to heaven. I'm the one who's working in you to change you and transform you. I'm the one who meets you where you're at as you're reaching and and grasping and trying and desperate. I'm the one who meets you in the place of separation. And I come and live with you and make my home in you, who turns the place of love from separation into the place of Bethel, which is the house of God, because I'm with you and I'm working through you because angels are ascending and descending on me and I'm with you and I am Jacob's ladder. And I wonder if we lose sight of what we have available to us in the midst of the distraction, the despair and the despondency, that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus in us is our connecting point to everything that we need. I wanna encourage you, church. We are called to live the journey. And if we live the journey, God changes us along the way. Change should be assumed because He takes us as we are. And He works in that and through that and transforms us in every aspect of life. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.